I'm Lisa Stone. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Parenting Aces. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, I am currently on a plane heading back to Atlanta from Indian Wells, and oh my gosh, what an incredible few days that I got to spend out in the desert. Please check out ParentingAces.com for more information on that, but suffice it to say, I was thrilled to have the opportunity to be out there and really want to thank my sponsor, TennisBalls.com, for giving me that chance and allowing me to participate in some incredible meetings, watch some unbelievable tennis, and just basically have an all-around great weekend. Bonus was that my two daughters drove down from the LA area, and I got to spend a little bit of time with them as well. So that's always a very sweet thing to happen in my life with them all the way across the country. That said, we have a great interview with Coach Todd Whittem for you this week, and Todd's been on the podcast many, many times. He's written many, many articles for ParentingAces.com, and this episode is all about one of his junior players who recently had an opportunity to train with several pros on the ATP Tour, and what his player learned from those opportunities, as well as what Coach Todd learned from watching his player on the court with these pros. And so I think there is a lot of great information for the rest of us to take away from this episode, specifically things that we can learn just by simply watching the pros train understanding what it means to train as though your life depends on it, which let's face it, for these professional players, it does. This is how they're earning their living. And I think there is uh, just, there's so many lessons to be learned from that. So I encourage you, if there's a professional event near your home, Usually the players come in a day or two before the event starts and they're usually out hitting on the courts, training, getting used to the environment. And typically those training sessions are free and open to the public. So if you have an opportunity, even for a futures or a challenger event, the quality at those events really doesn't differ that much from the ATP tour level events or the WTA tour level events. So take advantage of that. Take your juniors out and see what you can both learn from watching the pros train. Now just sit back and relax and enjoy this week's episode of the Parenting Aces podcast. Todd Whittem, so glad to have you back on the podcast. It's been a while, so welcome back. Hello, Lisa. I'm very excited to be back, and thanks for welcoming me me back. (laughs) And I know you thought you were on like my blacklist or something because it's been such a long time, but honestly, we have been so busy over here at the podcast with people coming out of the woodwork wanting to come on and talk to parents and coaches and So I hope you didn't take it personally, but I'm really happy that we're finally getting you back in the rotation here. Yeah, no, I would never take that personally. You know, the the better the information, the better people that you keep getting on your show, the the better it is for the parents, which, which is most important, as well as the kids. Yeah, for sure. So one of your players has had some amazing opportunities as a result, I'm guessing, of winning the Eddie Herr tournament back uh, in early December. And he has gotten the chance to train with several different professional players over the last few weeks and months. And I think it would be really helpful for the parents and the other coaches that tune in to the podcast to hear about what that experience entailed and how you feel like it has benefited your player. Oh sure. So, you know, if for for many of the of the viewers that and the and the listeners that have uh, been following, you know, kind of my stuff on social media and everything, you know, pe- people would have seen a couple of the workouts that um that one that one of my boys has was fortunate enough to uh, to be invited to play with some of the world's best tennis players after winning the Eddie Herr. Um, unfortunately, Andy Murray as we all know, had a really tough hip injury and he had surgery 
Uh, if you've been following Andy Murray, he had to pull out of the Australian Open. So that opened some doors for, for one of my boys to, to go down to Miami with me and train with a couple of the world's best. So, um, you know, that, that took place over December as, uh, as a couple of the pro players were, were getting ready for the Australian Open preparing. So we went down and, uh, and trained with a guy, Radu Albat, who was about 80 in the world. And that happened uh, on a Sunday. And then on Monday, uh, we, got, we got invited, actually the next day on Monday, we got invited to, uh, to go train with Gail Monfus. And, uh, and both workouts were about two and a half hours long. And, uh, and there was just so much to learn. And, and the boy that, that's been living with me for, for two plus years, obviously he's come a long way and everything, but it's a big eye opener for a junior tennis player to, to be thrown right into that environment. Um, so it's one thing from, from a coaching perspective to tell juniors to do something and do this and do that. And you need to do this and you need to do that. And it's another thing to see it and feel it with the world's best tennis players. And that's, that's just a whole different ball game. And, and, you know, there's this young boy who, who just turned 16 back in August. He learned a lot and we spoke about, you know, many, many of the things that, that these guys are doing at such an incredible level. And uh, if you really want to be there one day, then, you know, you really need to start applying uh, as quick as you can. So one of the things that you said jumped out at me, and I, and I want to focus on that a second, and that is the fact that the, the workouts lasted two and a half hours. Not four hours, not all day long, two and a half hours. And I'd love for you to describe what was going on during that two and a half hours, because one of the things that I feel like a lot of us are missing is this whole idea of quantity versus quality and how important it is to use your time wisely, especially when we're dealing with high performance players who are competing on a regular basis where overuse injuries are prevalent, where burnout is becoming more and more prevalent, sadly. And so this whole idea of what you can pack in to a shorter period of time and still come off the court feeling like you've worked your tail off. Yeah. So basically what, what I can say is, and, and, and I know a lot of junior players, so some, of my, some of my discussions that I have with, with the kids that I train on a full-time basis, we talk a lot about the warm-up and recovery. And as simple as that may sound for the parents and, and the kids that are listening to this, it's crucial for their body. And if you think you're going to be playing tennis at a very high level, maybe a Division One college level or maybe professional tennis one day or you know, even, even the other levels of tennis, it could be Division Two or Division Three, your body, it, it takes a beating in this game. And I can tell you by, because I had many injuries that, that, that derailed my tennis career, I can, I can tell you that now the trainers and the physios have become so much more advanced in the warmth and the recovery. So the, the workouts started before we, before, before both players touched the rackets, the, the warmups were about, it could be anywhere around 20 minutes, I would say. And I'm talking about warming up everything. It could be the legs to dynamic stretching to the bands for your arms these players were in a full sweat before they hit that first ball. And then obviously they worked, worked their way into the workouts. And I can tell you from, from experience, many of the things that I see on the internet, a lot of them don't make sense to me and I don't really understand what, what's going on. So these players that were working on things, getting ready for the Australian open were, were very standard things. They start with cross court you know, down, down the middle and cross courts and, and they're looking to hit very specific spots on the courts on, on the court. They're also looking to be in perfect positioning with their legs and loading and trying to go forward and take the ball early. Um, so every, every, every practice is catered to specific things. They're not coming out, just hitting a bunch of tennis balls and, and get breaking a nice sweat and then packing their bags and going home. So for instance, the, the first player that, 
that um, that this young man that this young man trained with was Radu Albat. He's about 80 in the world. I think he's he's around 25 or 26 years old. It took him a bunch of years to to crack into the top hundred, and he he grew up on clay in Europe, and he had and he had a a pretty defensive game, and when he started to take the ball earlier and on the rise, his 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 game really skyrocketed. So that's that particular player. Now, if I if I bring it down to the junior level, I see a lot of kids that are trying to play this way, but you need a very, very good base of training before you have the maybe the eye hand coordination and the movement and the balance and the and the timing and all of these things to be able to maintain ball after ball after ball. You may see a junior player that's trying to take the ball early, but they may only be able to maintain maybe a ball or two on, on a great mark on on the court. And and that and that doesn't equate to a high level player. So if, if we're going about the technical side of tennis, we should many of the kids they should back off the baseline and 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 learn how to be moving in and out of the baseline. And we and we speak about these things a lot. And so now that this player is in, is in his mid twenties, he now understands how to take the ball earlier, put pressure on guys, and and keep in mind this is not this is not a big guy. So he really needs to be able to to pop through the ball and, and use his body very efficiently and load and, and hit big forehands and backhands and be fast and be able to defend. And you have to have really an all around game where he may have been only one dimensional uh, for, for many years where he, he probably got stuck at a, at a lower, lower level of professional tennis. Right. So let's go back to the warm up though, because I, I really want to focus if we can for the, for the next few minutes on the, specifics of what happened in those two and a half hour workouts. I, I think it's just, it's important um, for people to understand that if you are efficient with your time and if the body is prepared properly for the training session, that there's no need to be out there all day long. So when your player got to the court for this hitting session what was the first thing that happened? Well, he was probably a little nervous, to tell you the truth. He hadn't played with a lot of ATP professionals before. So you walk into one of the biggest courts in the world, and, and we, you know, and he, he trained on Kiva Skane on center court. That's already a big eye-opening experience. So you're looking around and looking at the stadium, and you're looking all of a sudden at Andy Murray and, and the best players in the world going, whoa, you know, I just – I just, uh, I'm not sure what, what actually happened. Like, I just won a very big tournament as a junior, and now Todd all of a sudden is throwing me into the mix with a bunch of professionals. Now, even though it's practice, it, it's their office. So their office is to really develop their games, and they're preparing for a big year on the ATP Tour. So if, if we're going back to the warm-up, I can tell you that the mentality of their warm-up is that their body, without their body, these professional players, they have no career in tennis. So that's, that's number one. And, and, so, and they have their physios, they have their tennis coaches, and, and they're warming up everything. And, and they're stretching out, and there's a whole formula, and they follow this formula every single day, day in and day out, before every single session. I, and I can tell you from experience, many of these players – are doing exercises in their house or in their hotel room before they even step foot into onto the tennis court, and then they go through another 20 minutes. So they could do 20 minutes before they they even get into their car to drive to the tennis center. So, you know, a, a, as I've been saying, a lot a lot of the kids are are, are missing this, and they're not, and they're not and they're, and they're not putting that time and time and effort in, and, and a professional does. Well, so when they when they step foot on the court, I mean, are they doing a little jog around the courts? Are they using bands? Are they, I'm, you know, specifically what types of exercises are they putting their bodies through to get ready to start hitting tennis balls? Sure. So they, they may start with a little bit of jogging, but that's not really the basis where I know many kids many junior players, they, they go for a jog, they pick up the racket and they start hitting that. The, the jogging is probably, I wouldn't say the least, least important, but it's probably the least, maybe, maybe one of the least specific things they're doing. So they'll, they'll start jogging, but then they start going through range of motion of, of their hips. 
of, of footwork, range of motion of their shoulders, of their joints, because the joints in tennis, they take a beating. So you, mm-hmm. you, you hear from these professional players about their, their hip joints, their shoulders, um, you know, obvi- obviously the knees, but really they want to make sure that all their joints are, are, are warmed up um, and, and, and they're stretched out. They've, they've done a lot of dynamic stretching, um, you know, maybe knee to the chest, all kinds of hip rotations, all kinds of footwork. Uh, this particular player took the ladder out, which is which is normal, and he starts doing footwork throughout the ladder, going through his exercises. You know, you can do butt kicks, you can do a lot of lunges and and, and jumps and 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 all kinds of stuff, really, to prepare not only your body but also your mind. I mean, obviously, you're preparing your body, but but your mind starts to get more focused and you're more disciplined because you're going through these same exercises that are catered to to this particular individual. And it gets you ready to perform. Right. And, and I mean, you know, we've heard a bunch of times on this podcast from a variety of people that once the mind is ready to start training or competing, it signals the body that it's time to get to work. Right. So by having a warm up that is the same every day doesn't matter what else is going on. When you get out to that tennis court, you put your body through the same warm-up exercises. That triggers your mind that here we go. All right, we're in training mode. All right, we're in competition mode. And it sets you up for success. That 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 is correct. Um I can tell you from from personal experience that I did all my warm-ups and everything, but I, w- I wanted to be really away from any of my competition or any noise around me. And what I mean by noise, it could be I wasn't socializing a lot. I was in the locker room. I wasn't going out to watch a lot of the matches. Um, you know, if, if, if I was out watching matches, it was probably because I was going to play one of the players um, in the next round. So I was doing some scouting. But, um, but really the preparation, the preparation to start to, to get your mind going and then get your body going is very important. And, and at a high level of tennis, you can't be sleeping or unprepared when you walk onto the court. So from, from personal experience, I went into a locker room. I went into a very quiet area. Um, I started regripping my rackets. I started stretching out. I got stretched out by trainers. Um, and I just wanted a quiet, mellow area and, and mind and state of mind before I walked out. And it could have been before I walked out in front of thousands of people where I blocked all that out. And I wanted to make sure that my mind was ready. And the only way for me personally, which it might not be the same way for everyone, but for me personally, I wanted a very quiet, quiet area around me. And I wanted to start focusing on on what I was trying to accomplish when I walked out onto the court. So your player at age 16, when he saw this professional going through this you know, very detailed, um, regimented warm-up routine. What did he say about that to you, or did he comment on that afterward? I can tell you that if that was a surprise to him, what he's watching, then I'm not doing my job. So this, this young <laughs> it, it, well, okay, all right. Yes, you're right. You're right. <laughs> this young man has been living with me for two years, a little bit over two years now. So. If I can't teach this kid how to properly warm up, then I'm not I'm not fit for the job. I mean, that's just the preliminary stages. <laughs> so so he's used to seeing all this. Where some of the exercises different that that maybe he that maybe he doesn't do or something that I, that I didn't know. Of course, I mean every every trainer and physio they all they got all kinds of stuff that they've learned and stuff that they love to incorporate and do do with their clients and everything. But does this particular 16 year old know how to warm up and and focus and and become and be disciplined and all those things. You better believe it. Awesome. Okay, so well, let's jump forward. I've, I've dwelled on on the warm up long enough. So twenty minutes, they've warmed up. So we're now, you know, for a two and a half hour warm up, uh, two and a half hour hitting session, we are down to two hours and ten minutes, and they're now ready to pick up rackets and start hitting balls. So you said they started with just hitting up the middle. Do they start with short court or do the pros bypass that? I know it's different for everyone. 
And obviously, I, I was on the ATP tour for six years and competed with some great players. And I always say, and and I know it's it's different for for the girls and the women, but I never saw men doing short court. Now it doesn't mean that it's wrong or or anything, but the 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 kids that 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 I, that I've trained and the players, the best players that I've ever been around, especially on the men's side, they go right to the baseline. They start hitting. So. You know, that that's just me. Right or wrong, whether coaches, if they're listening to this, believe it or don't believe it, it's just something that that I do. And as well as on at a professional level, many times courts are very tough to come by when you when you're on the tour and you and you have a limited amount of time. You may only have a half hour or an hour. So spending five minutes tapping the ball around in the short court, it may be okay if you have unlimited court time, but if if the if the court time is not unlimited, then then they start they start their workout right on the baseline. Got it. Okay, so they're at the baseline. They're hitting up the middle. Um, and how long do they do that before they transition into, let's say, the next phase, which is I think you said cross court forehands. Right. So so the down the middle, obviously they they start. They're they're still in the warm stages. There may be. And this is where I see a lot of a lot of a lot of junior players that may get a little sloppy. So the hitting may be at fifty percent speed, but the legs and the movement are not. And 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 that and that's something that 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 was was coached to me, but also things that I coach with the players. And and you're talking about only the warm up. We haven't even started really the the, the training aspect. So mm-hmm. the warm up. And if, if you're moving full out and 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 the, and the legs and everything, and you're trying to get in great position. That that also stimulates your brain. When you're moving at that level, you have to be very concentrated and very engaged in the workout. And, and not only that, when you're 16 years old and you got a professional across the net who's playing against the world's best, you're really trying not to miss a ball and have any lapses of concentration. It's just a respect level. And I remember having these feelings when I was training with professional players and. And I was very fortunate. I was around professional players from when I was hitting my first balls at six, at six and seven years old. So, so I saw I saw this intensity. I saw this type of concentration. I saw this type of discipline at a, at a very young age. So, going down the middle, maybe maybe ten fifteen minutes, not not ten balls, and then switch, like like many many, many young players may do. Um, so if they're, if they're going at fifty percent. They start boosting it up to maybe sixty percent, seventy percent, and you know, all, you know, up to eighty, ninety, a hundred percent. They're going full out, right? And uh, and and it's physical. If you're going full out down the middle and you're moving as fast as you can to get in position and load up and, and really rip a big heavy ball, that gets exhausting when you do it over and over and over again. So that's something that I also don't understand when you, when you have kids that are just going and doing maybe down the middle or cross courts. If they're really working at an optimal level and loading up and ripping and accelerating and doing all these things, they should be tired by the time they get water. If they're not tired, they shouldn't be walking off the court. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's what you'll see from these professional players. And as we keep discussing um, about, about these workouts, that that's what they do. And when they get tired, they push through, they push through, they push, they push through. And they may be, they may be going to a certain time um, during the drill and, or until it feels really good, whatever they're working on, they don't stop. And they may be tired, they, and, but as, as, as we've said, this is their job. This is not, this is not um, amateur tennis. This is, this is their job. This is how they're going to make their living. So their office is that tennis court. Right, right. And, I, I mean, I think, again, and, and you just you stress this somewhat, but understanding that hitting up the middle – isn't just low key, low energy, you know, for these professionals who, like you keep stressing, are making their living playing the sport. Every single ball they hit is with intent, right? It's with full energy, full concentration. Even if it's going up the middle, they are moving their feet. They are, you know, working on whether it's loading the legs or getting their hips positioned properly or shifting their weight. Um, all of these things go into every single ball they hit. There is not one wasted moment out there. 
That that is 100% correct. And I can tell you from experience that when I was going down the middle and I was going full out, that that it was it was exhausting. Or yeah. <laughs> if, if I was do if I if I was doing uh, you know cross court forehands or cross court backhands. And and another thing that that I harp on is that drilling should be drilling. And, and you should be going at the intensity level and the, and, the, and the type of brain level and brain concentration that you would take to a, to a match. And that's something that I also don't see. And it, to me, it's just, it's just proper training is that when you do forehand cross court or you're going down the middle or, or whatever it is or side to side or whatever you're working on is that it should always, you should always have the feeling and hopefully there are junior players listening to this is that they should always have the feeling and the intensity and the concentration like they're in a match, not just in a drill. And that's something that we that, that I harp on and, and Pierre harps on every single day with the juniors that we train is that you're not just in a stupid drill. You are in a match, you bring in the same intensity, and you're competing against the other person across the net. So if you're hitting quality ball after quality ball and they miss, you've done a great job. If they're forcing you to miss, they're, they're kicking your butt. And and so I'm seeing a lot of kids that that aren't competing properly. And this mm-hmm. is one way, and it's, and it's a very easy way. It's one way for kids to learn how to compete is that you put your brain in that type of mindset just in in a normal drill. And you're talking about a forehand cross court drill, a backhand cross court, or or a side to side drill, or whatever it shall be. But the kids have to train at that type of intensity and concentration and compete against each other. And and that that in and of itself will, will bring up the quality of the practice and it also bring up the, the quality of their tennis. So in this, in these practice sessions with the pro players, how long would they hit before they took a water break? Well, it, this is going to surprise many, many of you. Um, it could, it could go, some sessions were on the clock where the, where there, there was five minutes of nonstop and, I, and I'm telling you nonstop hitting. Right. There was no like walking around and picking up a ball and dilly dallying around. No, 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 no. And even I was running around and, and, and making sure that the drill, the drills kept, kept going because you want a good rhythm for the players. And, and really they want their heart rate at, at certain numbers as well, depending on what they're working on. And it could go anywhere from five minutes until maybe 30 minutes. It just depended on, on what they were working on. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it may be surprising to many of you, but it's not surprising that drills can go on for 30 minutes or so or even longer before something has been accomplished and perfected and you keep working at it, working at it until that player feels like they are ready to move on to the next drill. So it really, it really just all depends. How did your player handle going for that long a period without a break? Because obviously, you know, for juniors, we're a little easier <laughs> on them than them. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm, we're talking about the highest level of tennis. But yes, what I can tell you is that this young boy is an unbelievably hard worker. If you watch any of the videos I put on social media, this is the stuff that he's doing on a daily basis. In fact, he just won a national tournament now. So they're texting me and calling me and everything. So that's exciting. Again, he just won his third straight tournament. But he... He, he fit, physically for him, it's very difficult because his body is years behind the type of body that you need to be playing at this level day in and day out, week after week, year after year. He's, he's still, he's still a very, he's a he's young a man. Yeah, he's a kid. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He's, he's a kid. So this is all educational for him, but now he sees how these types of players don't take a ball off. And I can tell you just by observing and, and feeding the ball and coaching him during, during these amazing workouts is that if he's not in perfect position, if he has a lapse of concentration, and I'm talking about for a millisecond, you cannot play tennis with these tennis players. Mm-hmm. You will leave one in the middle of the court. You're you know, obviously missing your target, spraying a ball wide or spraying it long. And at the, at the, at the best level, at the top level with these athletes in the world, they can ill afford to ever have any type of lapses of concentration. So that's what you're seeing when the, when these players are training. Right. Okay. So we've gone up the middle, we've gone forehand cross court. 
what was next? Yeah, back in cross court, similar. Obviously, if a ball goes a little bit in the middle of the court, uh, you can you can hit an inside out forehand. That's very normal for today's tennis, where where you're dictating out of the backhand side with with your forehand and hitting the ball heavy and and um, so another another thing that I would like to harp on also is that at at this level of tennis, these players are hitting they're hitting a heavy ball. They're not hitting a flat ball or a flat missile that I see a lot, and they're using proper muscles. and And, and I speak about this in some of the articles that I write. Lisa, that that you put on on your, on your website, and and there's other websites that that use my articles as well. Is that they're not banging the ball with their arm and their chest, and 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 they're fluid and they're loose and they and they don't have a lot of tension. And what they're doing is they have a they have obviously they have amazing legs and balance and loading every single every single ball they hit, but they're loose and accelerating their wrist. There's an amazing wrist acceleration that these players are using to be able to generate this type of heavy ball. And what you see at, 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 the, at, the, at the highest level of tennis, at the, at the ATP and the WTA Tour levels, is that what they're, what, what they're trying to do is they're trying to slow down tennis because the athletes are getting bigger, they're getting stronger. So the courts are getting slower and, and the balls are getting heavier. And so you need to be able to generate a tremendous amount of power and heaviness on the ball to penetrate the court. And, and so if people go to an ATP tournament, that's what they're going to be seeing. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I, I, you know, one of the reasons I keep asking you about the details of these workouts is I think it's important for people to understand this is not rocket science. This is nothing, you know, that is so creative. It's basics. As you said at the beginning, you know, they're hitting up the middle, then forehands cross court, then backhands cross court. And then I'm guessing forehands line, backhands line. Then they come into the net and work on their net game, volley, volley, and, you know, volley, volley overhead. And, and I mean, all the same basic drills that have been happening on tennis courts since the beginning of time. This is not anything new or, or, um, necessarily, you know, innovative or outside the box. And I think, you know, people need to understand that tennis is not that complicated. It's a pretty basic game. I mean, the goal is to get the ball over the net and between the lines one more time than your opponent, period. And there aren't that many ways to do that. Right. I think for for the viewers that, that that follow me on social media or they read my articles, what I think, and maybe I was in my little cocoon of training in my in my, in my system growing up, from when I was six years old to when I retired from the tour, twenty six years old, is that we've become so technical about teaching tennis and all these theories of tennis lessons and everything is that we we we've to in my in my opinion. We've forgotten the basics of how to compete, how to compete properly, how to become an athlete, how to get stronger, how to construct a proper tennis point. Um, And what I'm seeing a lot of is kids that, that are struggling to do those particular things, but also they've become so locked in their brain because it's been so technical. They're, they're, they're teaching and what they've learned have become so technical is that there's a lot of hitches and they're unsure of how to swing a tennis racket, how to maybe use their wrist. And it's become, to me, it's become so unnatural. And the, the junior player, their brains have become so locked that when you even try to, you know, maybe, maybe speak to them or teach them how to construct a point, they're so locked into, I missed that ball because, my wrist angle or my pinky toe or my belt buckle. It's facing the wrong way. All these different things. And, and I make light it's of so it, true. but it drives no, me crazy. No, it's true. It is. It's yeah. so true. It is so true. And, and the way that I'm, yeah, I'm, the way that I'm wiggling the racket, it's off by 20 degrees or all these different things that I'm telling you that any super high level tennis player, they would laugh at that. They would laugh and say, what is this? What is that? They, and, 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 and so Many of the things that I see on the internet, I'm telling you, I don't understand them. I don't understand what's trying to be accomplished. It may sound good 
to many people, but I don't understand what I'm listening to or seeing. And, right. um, and I and think so a lot of that leads to injury too, Todd, because we're pushing kids outside of what would be a natural swing pattern for them, right? Or a natural yeah. movement pattern for them. Correct. I, I've, had, I've had plenty of kids come to me with injuries and they're trying to get in positions and stuff that I've never, ever seen before. So then I just put them in the positions that I know and I get their bodies worked on and treated with the best people in South Florida. And all of a sudden it's like some magic potion and they feel wonderful and everything's great. Mm -hmm. So, um, to me, to me, it's, 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 to me, it's surprising. It's, it's, it's it's shocking. And I see it over and over again. I can tell you, I was watching, a national tournament on, on the USTA website. And, and, and I'm telling you that I'm watching kids that they, they can't move. They, they're having a lot of trouble athletically, regardless of their techniques. They struggle to move for just a couple of tennis balls on a tennis court. They don't have the proper leg strength. They don't have the proper balance. And, and honestly, I don't care how many tennis lessons your child has taken if they cannot move properly and they cannot balance their legs and they don't have a proper level of fitness and they don't have a proper level of, of, of strength with their lower body, by the time they become 16, 18 years old, they're going to struggle mightily. It's going to be ugly. And, and I was watching only a couple of balls hit in, in, in these particular matches. And if, and if players hit a, just a proper target, just a, only a couple of times, I'm not talking and speaking about 10 times in a point, I'm, I'm saying two or three balls on a proper target with hitting the ball in front of your body and, and just the basics of tennis, the other players, they break down. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really that simple. And we're, and we're, not, we're, not, we're not talking about you know, 10, 20, 30 balls a point. I'm talking about only a couple of tennis balls, and this is a very high national tennis tournament. Right. Well, this is this is a good segue into um, part two of our conversation today, Todd, which is tournaments and the way that um, our governing body is dictating that tournaments be run and the way that scoring is being manipulated in various tournaments. I recently posted on the Parenting Aces Facebook page that my section, the Southern section of USTA, has dictated that all doubles tournament matches will be one set to six, a tiebreaker played at six all, and thankfully they're using regular scoring. They're not going to the no-ad scoring like college tennis, but, um, but still it's one set to six for doubles now. So you have some pretty strong feelings about changing the scoring and, and how it's impacting families. And, and I'd love to have you share those thoughts. Sure. If I look back on, on, on my junior career and, and, and when I was playing junior tennis in those years, there was no such thing as a tiebreaker for the third set. That tiebreaker for the third set was after you played three hours and, and someone was going to win 7-6 in the third. That's, a, that's what a tiebreaker in the third set actually means to me. Um, there was nothing shortened about anything. Many times I was at a facility and I was in a very difficult match and the match was three hours long and, and my opponent and I were, were, the, were the last match on and everyone wants to leave and people want to shut the gates and lock the facility and everything. And, and, and that's, and that's the way it was. There was no shortened format. There was no four game sets. There was no 10 point tiebreaker for the third. There was no two all sets. There was, there was none of that. There was no shortened, shortened doubles matches. And, and I just don't know really where tennis is headed. And I don't train my players that I train on a daily basis to really be playing those types of formats. It really in those types of formats, you you probably your child may not even need that high level of fitness. Quite honestly, they should to prevent injuries and everything. But if you're playing four game sets and and no third sets and those types of things, to me, I'm not sure what these junior tennis players are learning. Many times I had to win matches cramping, severe cramps. I'm not talking twinges. I'm talking severe cramps, and it happened over and over again. So you learn how to manage. The, the pain and, and, and all those things that your body is going through 
which is normal. When you watch professionals on TV and they're running around on, on a court, trust me, they're not feeling great. That's painful. Just like any other sport, hockey, football, they're not feeling good. And, and so that also develops mental toughness when you go through that type of training and, and all that preparation. Tennis is meant to be a physical game. It's a very, very tough sport. If, if your child has aspirations of playing at a very good college level or, or maybe even a professional level, tennis is a very, very difficult game. There's going to be a lot of things that have to be in place for them to be performing well and to be achieving their goals and dreams. So I'm, I'm not sure where tennis is headed, but the things that I'm seeing and hearing and, and the parents voicing their opinions to me, that I don't see it heading in, in, in a great direction. Well, let's let's touch on that. Um, what are you hearing from parents? Because I know what I'm hearing. Sure. I can tell you that parents are, well, and, and I can tell you coaches are, are, are doing a good job preparing their players for, for tournaments, and they may be traveling. I'm based in South Florida. They could be traveling all the way to California or Texas or to the Northeast. And all of a sudden, formats are changed. By the time they get there, the formats are changed. If I was a parent and I, and I was taking my son or daughter to a tournament, traveling all the way across the country, and I got there, and all of a sudden there were shortened sets and shortened, uh, shortened other things in, in consolation rounds and those types of things, and I'm spending all this time, money, and effort to be traveling across the country, the least that, that, can, that can be done for, for the parents and the kids is that you play a normal tennis match i mean i don't think that's a lot to ask for so but but i continue to hear that oh it rained for two hours and we're delayed and all of a sudden now it's a two all set or or you're playing sets to four and and to me that's just it, it's bogus it's 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 bad and and really i don't know who's regulating this but someone needs to step in and, and really and really monitor this what do you think can be done because i mean there are a couple issues here. One is, I mean, I'm a lot older than you. When I was growing up, we certainly never had the short scoring, the short sets and all of that. Um, And like you said, I mean, there were days when you were at a tournament that you were there from seven in the morning until 10, 11 o'clock at night because rain delays happened. um, You know, matches went long and it just, that's just the way it was. Now, I, I understand that because of string technology, racket technology, the improved fitness level of the athletes themselves, that tennis has become more physical, you know, and there, from a medical standpoint, there are people arguing that we can't put growing bodies through this kind of rigor week in and week out and expect them to last, you know, through a junior career, through a college career, even through a professional career. We have to make some sort of change because of the physicality of the game. What's your thought on that? I don't agree with that at all. At all. So that may be true. So here's here's the normal normal child that is homeschooled and they they train could be five hours a day, six hours a day, whatever they train. Most likely, the warm-up and the recovery is very, very poor. And I see this over and over again. I've been very fortunate. I've been, I've been running my system since the summer of 2010, and now we're in the beginning of 2018, and I can't think of one kid that I've trained that has had a catastrophic injury. Now... Every once in a while, they may roll their ankle. It's unlucky. It's unfortunate. Maybe they get a little strain, a pull, those types of things. Okay, you're training hard. Um, so I have a whole system, and I have doctors and, and everything around these kids. Anything they need, it's done. Whatever, the, whatever, whatever they need, it's taken care of immediately. But kids are training, could be on the court more hours than ever before, possibly, depending on the type of system that your son or daughter is in. But I can tell you that kids are on the court, say, let's say five hours. And what are, how are they really treating their bodies after with their recovery? Are they, are they stretching out for 20 or 30 minutes before they get in that car and they go home? 
Are they taking ice baths? Are they foam rolling? Are they using the massage sticks? Are they going on the stationary bike? Are they going for swims? I mean, really, how, how are they recovering? And most kids are not recovering at all. So are their bodies going to break down? Absolutely. I've had these discussions many, many times with the kids that I train on, on a daily basis, and I monitor these things. It's, it's obviously for their health, but I want to make sure that their careers are continuing to go in the right path. So I'm involved in, in many different things with, it, with their tennis careers, not just training them tennis-wise. So the, the reality of, of it is the string technology, yeah, it's changed. Um, the physicality of the game, the ball's going faster, so you gotta you got to move quicker. So maybe that's tougher on the body. Yeah, I mean, that, that's normal. But the way that, that the players are treating their bodies and their nutrition and, and, and all those things, when I have a new client that comes through my door, I have to go over all these things with them and monitor all of it to make sure that they can get through my workouts and that they stay healthy for the given amount of years that I'm going to tr- train that particular individual. I mean, it's in the coach's best interest, obviously, to keep the player healthy because if the player's not healthy, the player's not paying to train, right? So from a financial standpoint, obviously – Coaches need to do a better job of keeping their players healthy. But beyond the financial piece of it, if you truly care about the players you're working with, then you've got to teach them how to care for their bodies properly. And if they have that knowledge and they are putting it to into practice, then playing a full two out of three set match with a tiebreaker only happening when it reaches six all in a set playing full do sad, do sad, do sad scoring. None of this, you know, one, two, three, four and out. We're on to the next game. Um, they should be able to handle that is what you're saying. Absolutely. My goal, and and it could take months depending on, if, if I have a new client and a, and a new kid here, but they are training to be able to handle mentally and physically two to three hour matches twice a day. That's my ultimate goal. So depending on whether they can stay engaged mentally for that amount of time, physically be able to withstand it, that's, that's normal. A match in the morning and a match in the afternoon. If your child doesn't, isn't able to handle that, then they're, in my opinion, there's something majorly wrong. They're not in shape or they're not focused enough. They're not engaged. But also when you're getting tired, it's really tough mentally to stay engaged. So the, the stronger physically that you, that you become and the amount of work and effort you put into your, into your physical fitness, the stronger mentally you're going to become. So as, as I say, every, every case is different for each and every child. But my goal for any of the kids that I train is that they can they can get through tournament days for two to three hours twice a day, and if they struggle to do that, then then someone has not done their job to prepare these 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 players to be able to withstand that. Right, and I mean there is something to be said for beginner level tournaments, entry level tournaments to have maybe some of this shortened format stuff. Um, these are kids that are new to the game, and maybe they haven't had the the time yet to develop their bodies to be able to handle the stresses of tennis. Right. I mean, so at the entry level, maybe so, you know, but hopefully families aren't paying hundreds or even thousands of dollars to travel for entry level events. Hopefully entry level events are happening in your backyard and, you know, you're not spending your weekend traveling and and paying for hotel and all of that. So it's a little more palatable to have these short formats at an entry-level local tournament. But I think where people really start to get their hackles up is, like you said, Todd, when they're traveling across the country for a national event only to get there and be told that, well, we're expecting rain, so we're going to go ahead and, and go to short scoring for this event at a national level tournament where presumably the athletes are more than ready and capable to handle the physical pressures of competing. 
I agree. I, I agree. I agree with with everything that you're saying. That would it frustrates me. It, it, it's frustrated a bunch of the parents that have voiced their opinions to me. Um, and I'm not sure who's in charge of that, but I don't know how that's permissible. And uh, if if we're really trying to grow the game of tennis and we're really trying to have a great environment for the kids to develop and learn skills outside of, of their classrooms and the disciplines that you can learn from tennis and, and the mental toughness and, 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 and all those amazing skills that you learn in tennis, then I don't see how you know, changing formats and shortening sets and all that, I, I don't see how you could learn many of those skills without really, really learning about yourself. When you're in, when you're in a very difficult match physically or emotionally, or you're fighting nerves or you're fighting maybe physical ailments, you learn a lot about yourself and what you're made of. And, and that's the beauty of tennis is that your son or daughter, they're the only one out there. This is not a team event. You can, you can cheer on your child and, and during set breaks, you can, you can coach, you can coach the, the young person, whether you're, you're a coach or you're a parent and you can try your best and, and whatever all those things are. But ultimately you learn such a great deal about yourself when you're out there and you're competing and you're fighting and the other person is, is fighting really hard. And, and these are the be- beautiful things about tennis. And, and to me, it's, it's, it's getting lost and it's getting lost due to the big business of tennis. And, and for people that really don't have the best interest of the sport and also, and also the parents and the junior players. Right. Well, I want to invite the listeners to take a look on parentingaces.com. There's a link at the top of the page to the USTA website. And it, it actually is a guide to navigating the USTA website. And if you have strong feelings about these short formats and the other things that are going on at the junior tournaments, I want to invite you to send an email or make a phone call to your section's head of junior comp and or to your section's sanctioning committee, because the sanctioning committee is the one that gives the tournament to the tournament director. And if there is a particular tournament director that is religiously changing the format, shortening the format of matches, then I think it's important that the sanctioning committee be made aware of that. And if the parents are upset over these short formats, the sanctioning committee needs to understand which tournament directors are doing that on a regular basis and maybe needs to take the sanctions away from those tournament directors. And coaches can write too. There's nothing to prevent coaches from, from voicing their opinion as well, because the coaches have to be able to make a living and, you know, this is, it's all part and parcel of a big picture. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I know, I know many people, they, they, they hear me speaking and they're like, man, that, that guy is tough and he's old school. I hear old school. And, 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 and you know what I think of that? I just think of it as the right school. I don't, I don't <laughs> think of it as old school, new school. And I can tell you, if you want to call it new school, I don't really like the new school. <laughs> I like I like the way things were done with old school. If you want to if you want to talk about it in, in in those terms, the new school I'm not really liking what I'm seeing with this new schooling. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, I think again, you know, there we have to be cognizant and knowledgeable about injury prevention, about overuse, about nutrition, about recovery. All of these things are important to understand and to learn about. But at the same time, if if the coach does his or her job, the player does his or her job, and the parent does his or her job, then these kids should be fully prepared to go out and play a two out of three set match and, and to play maybe two or three two out of three set matches on a day during a tournament. Do you agree with that, Todd? I, I agree. If you, if your son or daughter is training and training well, then two two out of three set matches on a daily basis shouldn't shouldn't be a problem. The ultimate goal when your son or daughter enters a tournament is that physically 
they're ready to compete. If, if physically they're not ready to compete, then, then there's something off with the training. So that, that should be, that should be the last of the concerns or worries for, for junior tennis players when, when they go and, and play tournaments, they should be more concerned with how they're going to play and, and the strategies and, and the conditions and, and all those different types of things. They shouldn't be concerned with, Oh my gosh, I hope I have enough gas in the third set and I'm getting tired and, and I'm running out of gas and I don't know how I'm going to make it through, make it through my first match. I'm struggling with this first match and I have another match later on in the day. If, if those are the concerns, there's something majorly wrong with the fitness level of that, of that young, with, with that young person. Right. And that brings us right back to this phenomenal experience that your young player had training with pros and seeing the type of work that they put in on a daily basis to make sure that when they show up at the Australian Open, for example, that they do have enough gas in the tank, that their body is ready to compete all the way through to the final day of the tournament. And it's just an invaluable experience. And, And I would say to the parents out there, if your child ever has an opportunity to even just watch a training session with a professional player, even if they're, they're not at the level or don't have the the connections necessarily to, to be on court and actually train with the pro, but even just to watch how these pros practice and train, it's a huge, huge learning opportunity for them. I, I agree. I, I can tell you from experience, I mean, the, the 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 young man that I went with down to Miami, he, he trained with with a guy eating the world, and then he trained with his with his idol Gail Monfils the next day, and they started their workout at about noon on that on that Monday with with Gail Monfils, and Gail Monfils he comes off as an unbelievable talent, and he's one of the most talented guys that's ever touched a tennis racket. So I know a lot of young young people, maybe even parents, are thinking, well, he doesn't really have to work as hard as the others because he's just so gifted and so talented and, and all these things that he can just naturally do. Well, that noon workout, he had already spent two hours in the gym and I have the exercises on my phone with what he was doing. And it was brutally difficult what he was doing. And I spoke to his physio and he said, he said the vast majority of professional tennis players couldn't even get through the workout that I just put this guy through. And then he was two and a half hours on the court ripping a ball, running, very physical workout. So those are the types of days that these guys and girls are going through to achieve and get to the level of tennis that, that they're getting to. Right. And, and just as an adjunct to that, I do want to point out that even the professional players do take days off and weeks off when their bodies need it. They plan their schedules so that they have those off days and off weeks for their minds and their bodies to fully rest and recover. And that's another kind of conversation I think that we should have, Todd, maybe in the future, um, is the importance of periodization and how I feel like most coaches are failing their players in that regard. And, And parents too. We just, we don't know. And the coaches maybe don't know or just don't want to encourage that time away because again, it's money out of their pocket, but um, that's another big piece of the, the big picture of reaching the highest level in this game. So um, let's think on that one for a future podcast. Okay, Todd. Absolutely. Absolutely. That'd be great. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on this week and congratulations to Ronnie on his phenomenal results lately. The kid is on a roll and I I know that he puts in the hard work, but I also know he's got the highest level coaching in you and, you know, that you and his family are are so supportive of everything that he's doing. So um, it'll be fun to keep watching him this year as he starts to age up and, you know, play um, and get ready for college tennis. So congratulations to him and to you, coach. Oh, th- thanks very much. Um, I get, I get a lot of pleasure working not only with him, but with, with the other students that I work with and just seeing them grow and improve their skills and grow into mature young adults. That's, 
that's what makes me happiest, regardless of the results that they have on the court. And uh, we got to keep plugging along and seeing what they can do on the court, but also off the court. And they all have very bright futures due to all the discipline and all the things that they're learning on a daily basis. Well, that's fantastic. Thanks again for being on. And to my listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at parentingaces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.